We are speaking against the backdrop of the killing in Beirut of a senior Hamas official. Israel is on a high alert. This explosion took place in a Hezbollah stronghold. So what is your take on the significance of what happened from all its various perspectives? Well, from the point of view of the Hamas operations, it certainly is a blow. It's not lethal blow, but it is a serious blow. And because this uh, leader was in charge, he was really the brain behind all the activities of uh, Hamas, all terrorist activities on the West Bank since, I think, some eight or nine years. Uh, he is really the mastermind behind it. So there is no doubt that his assassination and, and two people two with aides with him, will uh, so havoc for a few months, or more perhaps, for a few months, in, in all operations regarding the happening on the West Bank by, by Palestinian terrorist organizations. So that is certainly a blow. Uh, for a few months, later on, they'll find somebody to take his place. The problem that Hamas has is more serious here because he is also the connection, the main connection, if not the only one, the main connection, between Hamas and Hezbollah in Lebanon and through Hezbollah and Nasrallah, the connection to Tehran. In other words, that also will have to, they'll have to take care of it. It will take them a month or two or three, but they'll have to find people who will do it instead of this guy who was quite important. So on these two fronts, it's a net gain for Israel, uh, albeit only for a few months. Still, it's worthwhile because we're in the middle of a war now, so it could be very, very helpful. On the other hand, on the other hand, it is going definitely to delay the negotiations over the hostages. Because simply Hamas will not advance on this issue in light of this development? Hamas will have to, to show that this matters, that this is affecting them, that, that, that they're getting angry, that they have to decrease danger, they have somehow to, to, uh, to, to, to make us pay a price for that. So that's for sure. Again, you have a strategic gain for us, but you have also another loss for us, and it's also strategic, uh, who knows how many of the hostages will survive this period? Who knows how long this period of the freeze will take? So that's on Hamas, uh, on the Hamas side. On the Hezbollah side, it's really very, very interesting and crucial because theoretically they can say, you, they actually said it, you crossed, that Israel crossed a red line, which means Israel acted beyond the un- if you wish to call it gentleman's agreement or the, the unspoken agreement, how far each side can go without provoking the other to start a full, fully-fledged war. So Hezbollah said it. And the reason is, obviously, because they hosted him. He was their guest. And uh, in Arab tradition, in, also in Israeli tradition, actually, you are responsible for the, for the life and, and health of your guest as long as he's your guest. So in a way, Israel did cross the red line. 
However, Israel did not uh, touch any uh, Hezbollah operative, or operative leader, whatever, commander. So that's very important. And second of all, the dilemma is that I'm pretty sure I'm not, I don't have spies in Beirut right now. Uh, and on the salary of a university, university professor, there's a, a limited number of, of spies you can keep in Beirut. But I... I would I would guess that uh, last night there was a conversation between Nasrallah and uh, General Kaani, commander of the Pazdaran of the Revolutionary Guards in Tehran. And so, between Tehran and Beirut, you had a conversation, and Tehran is saying, "Please keep your cool." Even Kiel, don't go crazy. We don't want you to provide the Israelis with the excuse they are looking for to start a fully-fledged war against you and maybe destroy you. Uh, we need you for the longer uh, run. So please keep cool, not to overreact. The reason is that this whole war, this whole war that started on the 7th of October, is an absolute surprise for Tehran and for Beirut and for, by the way, Baghdad. The Shi'i pro-Iranian militias in Iraq were taken by complete surprise and they are reporting that neither Tehran nor Beirut were informed by Sinwar, uh, by Hamas, that they intend to carry out this operation on the 7th of October. Total surprise. So, and the reason why Tehran doesn't want it to turn into an all-out war between us and Hezbollah is quite simple. They have plans for Hezbollah, and the timing is wrong. It's wrong, and it embarrasses them. Now, they're trying to, to encourage all their uh, uh, satellites, if you wish to call it this way, in, uh, in the Yemen and in Beirut and even in, in Baghdad to support the Palestinian struggle, but not beyond reason not to detonate this huge bomb, you know, between us and Hezbollah, because they don't want us to destroy Hezbollah. They know we can, we might do it if if we are provoked. So they have plans for Hezbollah for another occasion, not now. So I think they told Nasrallah, please don't overdo it, don't overreact. So I believe that what he'll say tonight is, uh, we are going to, his speech will be, you know, fire and brimstone, as I have no doubt of that. And of course, he will say very good things about the deceased. But I think he'll go, sh he'll go short of declaring fully-fledged war against Israel, because this is not the right time. Also, from his point of view, from Nasrallah's own point of view, as a Lebanese, this may be very bad because his position in Lebanon now is bad. Since about a year now, more than almost 18 months, the last elections in May 2022, he lost the elections. And he, he had been no longer does. A vulnerable politically. Now, you can always sit on his bayonets. But I think it was Napoleon Bonaparte who said that you can do many things with bayonets except sitting on them for a long time. And he doesn't want to. So he controlled the parliament. And this way he did whatever he wanted. He was perfectly in Lebanon. Since May, this is not the case. He lost the majority. 
and the parliament is hanged. I mean, there's a hanging parliament, and he's afraid that if opposition, if he, he he makes some of his own supporters who are not Shia, he has many supporters who are not Shia. If they, he makes them angry, if he angers them by starting a war that would devastate Lebanon even more so than in 2006, and he did then too, they will simply abandon him. Then mm-hmm. and the new president will be his enemy. There are two people who are candidates now. Both of them are enemies of Hezbollah. So he's very worried about that too. So he's not keen on starting a fully-fledged war with Israel now. As a result, the combined result is that chances are, you can never tell 100%, but I'd say there is a better chance that he will threaten to take revenge, serious revenge. He might even do it, but not now, and not by provoking a fully-fledged war. Hezbollah has many ways, and they did use many, many troops outside the region. Example to kill Jewish, Israel, not, not Jewish, Israeli citizens, tourists in Europe uh, and in Turkey, which is Europe too. Uh, they were the masterminds behind the ex- two huge explosions with scores of casualties of, of dead in Argentina, in Buenos Aires, mm-hmm. the Jewish community uh, uh, center, and the Israeli embassy, and many people died there. So they have a variety of ways to show how angry they are, but short of starting a fully-fledged war against Israel right now. That's better chance that this is going to be the, the, the decision in Beirut rather than deciding on going all out against Israel now in the Galilee and Haifa and Tel Aviv and whatever.